Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson. Thanks for joining us today. Um, If you'd like to get in touch with us, the number is 866-472-5788. And then you can also get in touch with us on our Facebook group, which is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Um, we have a lot of great uh, engagement from our listeners, a lot of people solving additional problems uh, for their pets, and it's kind of nice to come together as a community and work some of these things out. So um, today, we're going to tell you the answer to the most commonly asked question in the animal hospital. We get this one 10 times a day, probably probably at every appointment, especially if you have a new puppy. And then also, how to save a lot of money on the biggest investment you're making for your pet. We're going to go through that entire thing. And two big viewer case reviews from our Holistic Vet Advice group. So these are pretty long ones. Um, Pets with very consistent problems over long periods of time. They're just not getting a lot of help or solutions. And they kind of need some direction. So we're going to work on those cases with those people coming up uh, pretty soon. Lala and Amanda. Both your cases will be on today. So uh, here with me today is Jim Carlson, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit on the most commonly asked question in the animal hospital. How much do I feed my pet? Very, very good question. And across the board, there's so many different answers that I get. Most important thing is that you want to use a daily amount calculator. And how do you use that as the Pet Alliance? The Pet Pet Nutrition Alliance. They have a great calculator. I love this thing. It's so easy to use. It lets you put in your own dog food. So it searches Google for your dog food. And then it calculates all of your calories for the day and gives you a treat budget too. That's right. And you can figure out just about how much to feed your pet every day. And it's going to use the amount of calories. And the confusion between calories and kilocalories, uh, when you're looking at amounts of dog food, each dog food has so many kilocalories per cup if you're using dry dog foods, and that is equal to how many calories you should feed a day. If we're looking at kilocalories from a nutritional standpoint, sometimes can mean how much actual energy that you're getting out of the dog food compared to what waste is left over. What mathematically is different between calories and kilocalories? And why don't they just say calories? Because that's what we all understand. (laughs) Well, from the amount standpoint, kilocalories and calories are essentially the same thing. But if you're you're a nutritionist, they're going to mean totally different things in terms of of, uh, what goes in and what comes out. Okay. So once you get the amount, you want to go to your food guideline so you can... You know, you can look on the bag itself and, and most of the bags will say so many kilocalories per cup. And you want to get uh, the average cup will hold five ounces of dog food. Okay. So it, even though it's one cup, it would be eight ounces of liquid. It's actually five and a half ounces of dog food. Okay. Oh, really? so you, you I always to, wondered about that because yeah. you're not measuring this, really not measuring the same thing. Right. Because the dog food is... Basically, there's some air in there because the kibbles aren't occupying the total space of that cup like water would be. So at the same time, 
how much you're feeding them, uh, you want to basically measure that amount. Now, the question is, do I feed them once a day? Do I feed them twice a day? Do I feed them three times a day? If they're a puppy, you want to start, if they're less than six months old, you want to feed them three times a day. Um, if you are between six months uh, to a year, you can go to twice a day. And then thereafter, you can, after a year of age, you can go to twice a day or down to even once a day. Why do you think this is so confusing? Well, there's no real guidelines to, you know, for a specific pet on how much to feed them. It's all across the board, but there has to be some synergy to, okay, we're going to decide where's my basic guideline. So first mm -hmm. of all, how many kilocalories do I actually, does my pet actually need? Don't use the food bag because there's such a wide range if your dog weighs. And if you change foods, you'd have to look again because the difference in kilocalories is quite dramatic. Absolutely. You were looking through this this morning. It was very um, surprising, actually. Right, because sometimes you, you get used, well, I, I feed them a coffee can a day. Well, that coffee can a day can vary from uh, a lower-end dog food that's only like 300 kilocalories per cup mm -hmm. all the way up to uh, a higher-end dog food which is mostly meat, is 400 kilocalories per cup. Mm. So when it comes down to the economics of it, uh, you can really save a lot of money by knowing how much do I feed them how, or how, what's their requirements. But then second of all is measure that food, mm -hmm. you know, because you can actually feed a very expensive dog food very just as cheaply as you can a uh, grain-based dog food okay. by measuring. All right. And... I don't know. I guess it's just kind of confounding to people because the dog food quality is so different. And uh, that was kind of our next topic today is how to save money on dog food. This is the biggest investment you're going to make in your pet's health. It's the biggest investment. It's even bigger investment than it used to be. So we were looking at comparing different dog foods today. You know, you've got this is why you have to know how to read the label, because even some upper end dog foods ended up not really having that much meat in them. And we noticed even a difference in our own Persian cats. And, you know, they need like really high quality food because they have this hair that becomes like greasy and matted. And it's very problematic to try to take care of their hair. You usually end up just having to, you know, depending on the cat, having to give up and shave them sometimes. We have a couple that don't want to be handled like that. Mm. Um, but the difference in the quality of food they were getting between this other bag and it even said holistic on it was no, absolutely shocking in the difference in their coat. It is uh, because you think. And it wasn't cheap food. This was not food that was cheap, but the little more expensive food was far superior in quality. So if you're looking to save money on your biggest investment and that dog food is $80 a bag, we have a few tips for you that are going to help you kind of, work out how to save some money, how to add to the food quality, um, measuring portions, and um, using some different things that can help you kind of stretch that bag of dog food a little bit longer. So first of all, the food quality was very interesting. So you took a 27 pound bag of, or a $27 bag of food. Was it like 40 pounds? Right, it was 40 pounds. Uh, Very common food you'd find, you know, like at Walmart or grocery store aisle. And, and a lot of people do buy their dog food at the grocery store. It's like at least 30% of people just do that there, right. which is fine. But I think people really 
don't know. Um, this, this particular brand was just brought up yesterday. There was a dog that had uh, what appeared to be a really big tumor in an x-ray. And they were saying that exact brand of dog food is what they were feeding as a big homeboy. Yeah. So there's no quality in this food whatsoever. It was full. The first ingredients, maybe the first six ingredients, there was no meat even mentioned. No, there's no meat in the diet because it's uh, it's a grain first diet. So the first ingredient was whole ground corn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second ingredient was meat and bone meal. So basically meat and bone meal is just mostly bones, a little bit of meat in there. So they take the bones, they grind them up. Basically, whatever meat was on there, that's what's in there. Yeah. So very little uh, meat flavorings, okay. soybean meal, uh you know, rendered food products. These are very little in its available protein. They meet the FDA requirements for food and nutrition, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, um, they, they can survive on it, but they cannot definitely thrive on them. And the reason is, is that that available, the protein meets a requirement, but is it available? You know, so you could say, well, yeah, I bought that on sale, 55 pounds of this dog food. I got it for $27, mm-hmm. but it's only 300 kilocalories per cup. And what's in it is very little nutrition that's available. So you end up feeding almost twice as much, Ugh. you see? so And the result just isn't going to be what you pro- anybody would probably want to see. Right. It's like the old Fram oil commercial. They said, pay me now or pay me later. Yes. So if for you took sure. that that cheap dog food and you say, well, I'm saving money now by feeding the pet this food is that you're going to spend a lot in veterinary costs. So it's, it's going to add up over time because those pets are going to start having health problems. Yeah. So food quality. So um, then we looked at some of the higher end dog foods. Okay. So this is where the investment comes in because some of these foods can be $80 a bag and that's pretty serious. But the one thing I did notice is those foods you seem to be able to feed less of. Definitely, because more kilocalorie dense food, there's going to be meat in there is the first, second, maybe third ingredient. And you're going to get a lot more of what they call available nutrition. If we kind of go back to the quality ingredients is that they say that this, this pet food has this much in it, or this, these ingredients in there. But what's most important to me is, are those ingredients available for the pet that you're feeding? Mm-hmm. So Meat protein, number one, we've got to make sure that there's meat in there. And it should say, if it's beef, it should say beef and not beef byproduct, beef meal. You know, it should say beef as the primary ingredient. Because when you start adding What's portions. What's a beef byproduct anyway? Well, what does that mean? That's, that's everything. You but, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's everything Ew. with a very little meat in there. So if you think about the rendering truck. Uh, taking rendered products over to the uh, processing plant. Uh, basically, they're taking whatever's left over and burning it up to really high heat. So it kills off all the bacteria and organisms and everything. And then that's what meal is. It's ground down because it's so hot. It's basically powdered it so you can grind it down into meat meal. It's a filler. It provides very little nutritional value. Uh, but it's a filler and it meets the food requirements to say on the label, it contains this much protein, <laughs> this much Gross. fiber, this much fat. Yeah. All right. So the food quality is one of, 
It costs you money, but it saves you money, not only in your pet's day-to-day health, but probably long-term. Um, there are just a lot of benefits to having the better food quality. I noticed when our cats ate Parmina, their hair and coat was absolutely gorgeous and they're Persians. So, you know, they're known for this big, long, beautiful hair coat. And I'm going straight back to that cat food. (laughs) Our kitties are guinea pigs. So obviously we're going to, we're going to be putting them on a little different nutrition to see, uh, because I want to practice what I preach. So I want to know if, if, if it says, well, this cheap cat food, uh, is not going to work. I want to be able to say, yeah, for sure. It does not work. You know, and, tried it, um, been there, done that. So we tried it, it did not work. It's right. the better cat foods. All right. So the portions of the, um, you know, like raw dehydrated kibble, um, the better quality foods are smaller. They're more nutrient dense and um, just healthier overall than, you know, like those big chunks and ugh, yuck. Um, so the Pet Nutrition Alliance dot com has that great calculator it does Mm -hmm. factor in the treat budget which i think is kind of fun because everybody wants to give their dog treats dogs love it very true it's a great training tool so you know you can use it anytime you can train your dog basically all the time the little little snack here and there little sit up pretty shake hands you know all those kinds of things so it can just make life more fun and easy for your dog give them a little mental stimulation as well so treats have a uh, having a treat budget, I think, is a really good idea. That's a great point because, it, you know, when we're talking about food, we also have to mention the treats. Uh, pet owners say, well, I only feed it half a cup a day. <laughs> but how many treats do you have? Oh, about 50. You know, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating mostly ice cream. Do- Nobody gave their dog 50. No, I mean, it's a little bit exaggeration, <laughs> but they did say, you know, about 20 a day or something yeah, like but that. But even some of those treats are 300 calories. Kilocalories, not calories. Whatever right. kilocalories are, <laughs> some of the treats are three hundred calories, so you got to really watch them. And then they also have a lot of preservatives and stuff in them that aren't necessarily so good. True. Um, one other way to stretch your dog's food uh, bag of expensive, high quality dog food is to add a meal topper to it. And these have a lot of extra nutrition in them too. So um, we have a few here. Uh, one is from Northwest Naturals. Um, Northwest Naturals makes this line of dehydrated foods. Um, their website's kind of cool. It shows you how they actually do it. They have these big chambers that they uh, perform the dehydration in uh, or freeze drying. I can't remember which, but anyway, they are chicken organs and bone. That's what is in this little recipe. They're kind of like a little lightweight ping pong ball. Mm-hmm. And that makes them even more fun for a dog because they're their little shape. Uh, 20% produce and supplements are also in there as well. So taking like a handful of these is really not that many calories. And you can also just kind of wet them down, stick them on there. If your dog is maybe just tired of his dog food or you're, you know, whatever, want to add a little extra for not a lot of money, this Northwest Naturals would actually be really, really good. It is freeze-dried. That's what it says on the package. And one of those little ping pong balls size portions, about seven to eight calories for kilocalories. So very, you know, in terms of feeding treats that are, they're very economical, but at the same time, not going to add a lot of fat to their diet. Excellent product. Okay. And then um, the same goes for cats too. There are a lot of different things you can give them. Um, This would work for cats as well. Cats have a freeze dried, whoops, rabbit recipe. Um, 
We use these retreats sometimes for our kitties. And then you can also just wet that down and put that on your pet's food. So kind of nice extra product. And one of the new trends is single ingredient foods. And this is a can of Avengers. They have a line of single ingredients that they've worked really hard on. It's a really nice line uh, because they'll have just straight up buffalo, a straight rabbit, a straight quail. And it's just a can. You don't have to use it all. Um, You can use just small portions of it to throw on that dog food, mix it up, give some variety to your pet's diet, or maybe add just like a different protein type, uh, depending on, you know, what your vet or your holistic vet might be uh, requiring. Um, Let me see those other two cans. I think there's um, some sardines in here. Sardines are always great. And they've got salmon and duck. Their sardines um, are really cool. They are really thick and chunky. So they're kind of like a bigger sardine than what you find in the can from the store. And um, they're just kind of, I mean, the cats go crazy. So Mm -hmm. dogs are going to go crazy and they do give some extra stuff in there. Like some, some, uh, is it fats or something? Omega-3s? Definitely. Because uh, salmon, especially if you're, if you're wanting a fish base, if you're feeding mostly a chicken based diet or a beef based diet, for example, uh, you want to add a little bit of salmon to their food every day. Mm-hmm. So a small portion. Um, if you're feeding poultry, um, you, you know, with especially duck, it has a lot of bit, a lot of fat in it. So you don't necessarily need all the salmon. But talk to your veterinarian about it. You know, how much should I add to the diet? My rule of thumb is for meal toppers, no more than 25% of the diet because you can start to mess a little bit with the micronutrients, especially the trace minerals and, and the mm-hmm. vitamins. So about 25% of the diet. Um, if you like it and you say, well, I want to go to a more meat-based diet, uh, certainly you can purchase those foods uh, ready-made uh, or you can go to the website balanceit.com and formulate your own diet, you know, using some of these products or even using some fresh food you buy at the store. Okay. All right. Um, so anyway, um, we've been kind of discussing all the different things you could do. There is one more item that will stretch that big expensive bag of dog food and that's some steamed vegetables. So you've got all these cool protein types, all these things you can add, but vegetables are a pretty inexpensive way to go about feeding your dog a little bit more and maybe making them a little bit more satisfied. Yeah. Great filler. Um, they don't get a lot of calories. Uh, but we want to remember not to feed raw vegetables to the pets. Sometimes they'll eat them. And I don't want to say, well, my dog will eat a raw carrot. But it's more available to them if it's steamed. Mm-hmm. So steamed vegetables, um, mince them up, mix them with a little bit of the meat um, and use that as your food topper. Uh, vegetables work really, really well. Uh, it's three parts meat, one part vegetable. Uh, if you want to mix them two together, uh, often animals like that, you know, if they're having some meat and vegetable together. The other thing is that um, it provides some bulk to the diet, uh, especially for those dogs that have a little trouble with the glands um, or have a little trouble going to the bathroom. It's going to add a little better fiber source. Uh, Great liver cleanse, as we talked about last week, about cleansing. Um, And if if you don't like fasting your dogs for a day uh, or a half a day, vegetables are a great way to do that. All right. Very good. Okay. So um, our group is called Holistic Bad Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. That is on Facebook. So we'd love to see you guys join that. Uh, The number to call is 866-472-5788. 
if you uh, have some questions about your pet. Um, and additionally, we're live on Facebook right now, so you can always ask uh, a few questions there if you would like to do that. So our first one today is from Lala. She says, vet is having a hard time diagnosing her dog. Symptoms began in August when he threw up brown liquid for three days. Mm-hmm. He went to the vet, did blood work, and abdominal x-ray, and they didn't find anything except the vet said maybe there was something in his stomach. She presumed it was food, but the dog actually hadn't eaten that morning. And the next few days, he had some almost black uh, number two, and they put him on sucralfate and omeprazole, which are pretty common um, medications for that kind of thing. His energy is really low, and he is not his excited self. And she said, also, they did make a change in his diet to be mostly plants since July with vegetable protein for four to five days out of the week and one day of pure meat. When I did that, he had a lot of energy and was acting like a puppy. And once I started trying to add more meat in, he has slowed down. So uh, before July, he was home cooked chicken and veggies. He did fine, but it seems like he has some pain. And um, the vet also prescribed a product that we use all the time called Liver Happy. It's from Jun Hong Herbals. Mm-hmm. We use this quite a bit because of the varying rates of liver issues and liver disease in our patients. So that's a pretty common thing to prescribe. She's worried about the possibility of cancer or something being much worse with her dog. So she needs some help. So it's a bit of a case review here. Yeah, that can be definitely challenging cases, especially when the pet is really symptomatic, doesn't feel well, and you get a relatively normal x-ray, you get normal blood work. Um, That can happen about 40% of the sick patient cases. It doesn't mean that nothing's wrong, obviously, but at the same time, the body is not really causing any major medical change to the blood work. So it's usually something that's not necessarily inflammatory, not necessarily organ damaging right now, but over time, it definitely can be. So let's take the first symptom, throwing up brown liquid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ulcers is black liquid or okay. coffee ground looking product. Okay. So the brown liquid probably was food. Animals can hold that food in the stomach for very, very long periods of time. Oh. So you can feed them at say seven o'clock yesterday and they can vomit food. 24 hours later, you say, well, they didn't eat anything. That's true. But that could be that food that's still sitting in there. That's finally turned into liquid. Mm. People don't do that, right? As far as leaving it in the stomach that long. No, we usually feel pretty bad. (laughs) Or to go ahead and digest it. But at the same time, um, in the x-ray, x-rays are a great survey but often stepping into an ultrasound to confirm that mm-hmm. is probably the better option since there was something suspicious there. So if this were my case, I'd probably elect to do an ultrasound, either, either a global fast ultrasound in the clinic, or I might send you over uh, to have an ultrasound done. Mm-hmm. Just to be sure, because the owner's concerned about tumors. Cancer, oftentimes, you have normal blood work. Because yeah. cancer, yeah. that's those are normal cells that are zombified. Mm. So they don't trigger that inflammatory response like you would normally see. So there's a possibility there. Um, I like the liver happy because anytime we're getting uh, digestive changes, the mid GI tract is always going to be the one 
that you're going to see changes. So first of all, vomiting. That we're trying to get rid of toxins. Okay. okay. Vomiting or diarrhea or flushing toxins out. Who handles most of the toxins? The liver. Okay. Mm. So liver happy soothes what they call liver chi stagnation. So the liver's upset for some reason. And it's, the, the chi is energy. And that's stuck energy. Mm. It also gets that moving. That's very important. The other thing is um, it helps to soothe the liver because if the liver's upset pretty soon, you could see those liver enzymes coming up. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's also connected to the pancreas and gallbladder. So that mid GI tract is really important, especially when we're getting stalled food and food stagnation where that, where they're vomiting up that brown liquid. So um, that can definitely help. You want to go really to once a day feeding only in the morning between seven and nine in the morning is the best time for the food to be receptive. The rest of the time we want to be fasting. Energy, we want to make sure we're not over-exercising the pet because uh, extra energy is going to create more toxins and that's going to hurt the liver as well. So this seems to be a, a, a mid-digestive case. Uh, we want to get an ultrasound, first of all. Mm -hmm. And then second of all is that uh, we want to look at nutritional sources that are very clean, keep using the liver happy, and, um, and go very slow at this case. So I have a question. What is vegetable protein? And she said she was on that for four to five days. Is that something that maybe over time can be irritating? Well, it, animals are, are not carnivores. They're carnivores, so they need meat in their diet. A, a sudden food change, um, depending on the, the reason for a change in the diet, they, they noticed that maybe the energy was down a little bit and decided mm -hmm. to change it up. Um, it's, it's better to really uh, talk to your veterinarian before you have a major food change mm -hmm. because we want to understand why does the pet not feeling well and why did they feel better after they were eating mostly veggie protein? Mm -hmm. Well, you think about it, vegetables clean the liver, okay? So it felt better, mm -hmm. it was getting a cleanse, but at the same time, it wasn't sustainable because the liver was still, uh, mm -hmm. we hadn't addressed what they call the root cause and that's very important in functional medicine is not treat the symptom, but go, but actually treat the symptom, I should say, make the pet more comfortable, but you have to look for the root cause and that's important. Why is this liver unhappy? Mm -hmm. Why is the body not digesting very well? Liver controls digestion, transformation of food, transportation of food through the body. So it controls that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So something's up with the GI tract as well. We're not, and, um, so we're not getting good enzymes in there. We're not getting good movement of food through the system, not getting good absorption, obviously, because we're getting kind of funky looking stools, um, especially black stool. We want to talk about that. If it's formed, uh, it can mean that, that, that the stool stayed in there too long. But if it's really runny and dark, it could mean that we're starting to get some ulcerative uh, reaction or ulcerative activity in there. So mm -hmm. we're getting some pretty funky, toxic stuff moving yeah. through them. yeah. So definitely ultrasound first. Uh, as far as diagnosis, continue liver happy, good clean diet once a day. Oh, okay. That'd be my right. suggestion. Yeah. So they're they're getting there. They're they're on yeah. the right track, but just definitely maybe take right it track. a little step further. Because you got diagnostics. The, you got the diagnostic there. Um, you you've got a, a good start with an, a, an integrative approach. Uh, and good clean diet, but now we want to know for sure what's physically wrong, if anything. Mm -hmm. So rule out this this cancer thing first, make sure that we're okay, and then start to work nutritionally this pet back to health mm -hmm. with fresh food. 
uh, as much as possible. And don't try to force feed this dog either. You know, this pet is, is obviously food is kind of toxic to it right now. Mm-hmm. So we want to be really clean, you know, maybe one protein, one steam vegetable. Uh, and that's pretty much it. No treats or anything fancy mm-hmm. uh, till this GI tract is going. And maybe only, like I mentioned, one meal a day or maybe even fasting uh, a meal because you want to let the body clean out, get rid of all this toxic stuff and then mm-hmm. start over. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I hope that helps you, Lala. And if you have questions or case reviews that you're interested in having Dr. Carlson look at, um, you can definitely get in touch with us at our Facebook group, which is Holistic Vet Advice um, with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. So you can just join that group. I'll pop you right in and let us know, you know, how we can help you. It's, it's like, we're all here to help each other. And um, the group is kind of good. They, uh, I want to thank Karina, by the way, from the group who came up with a great litter uh, that someone was asking about. And that person absolutely loves the litter. So Karina, I think you live around here. So I'm going to put a little sample of treats up front for you, for your kitties. So thank you very much for all the uh, extra advice you were able to give us that day. Uh, that litter she chose was sweet, which is um, S and then wheat is the word. And uh, they absolutely love it. So I think I might have to give it a try too. <laughs> that's, that's right. Great right. camaraderie with the, I love that when we. When everybody can come together and help each absolutely. other. Absolutely. All right. Well, there's a new proposed law demanding how long you're supposed to actually be walking your dog. So we're going to talk about that coming up. We have a question from Amanda and a dog exercise calculator for you too. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. 
I am Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, and we're very happy to have you with us. The number to call is 866-472-5788. We're also live on Facebook. Our Facebook group is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Lots of fun going on in there, lots of uh, camaraderie and uh, collegialness. Mm -hmm. And then we uh, have a bunch of questions that we're getting out of that group and also on our live Facebook feed today. Um, Right now, we have a couple of questions from um, uh, Mrs. Salzberg, Dr. Salzberg, I should say. She says she adds pure pumpkin to my dog's meal each day. I think I have a can of that right here. Mm -hmm. And it's not the pumpkin pie filling, it's the pure pumpkin. Um, So one dog is 65 pounds, the other is 120 pounds. How much of the pumpkin do you recommend? Uh, Typically about one to two tablespoons of, if you're using fresh, uh, it's about an ice cube size portion, uh, twice a day with each meal or once a day if you feed once a day. If you're using cans, you just want to make sure that it's not been uh, a lot of sugar added. You just want to use plain sweet potato or canned pumpkin. Oh, okay. So you can use sweet potato too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So for her dog, 65 pounds, the other's 120 pounds. So you think maybe a tablespoon and two tablespoons? Would be yeah, better? that would be about right. Cause one's about, you know, one's twice the amount of the other. So one tablespoon for your 65 pounder, uh, two tablespoons uh, for your 120 pounder. So if the dog was little, like our little Yorkie, Chorky, um, what would you say for her? Teaspoon? So we're going to go down to like a quarter to a half a teaspoon. Uh, a teaspoon is, you know, if they're really having trouble going to the bathroom, you can increase that a little bit until you know, we have to remember that um, uh, it's a fiber source. So it's going to trip the colon to move things through a little faster. So you know, we have to be careful. Sometimes we'll get a little bit of diarrhea with it. So if you're getting diarrhea when you're feeding it, you're probably feeding a little bit too much. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So in Germany, they have a new law that's been proposed and it's going to mandate how long you're supposed to walk your dog every day. I don't know how they're going to keep track of this one, but wow. the law proposes one hour a day of exercise uh, to be the law in Germany. So I'm not sure you know, where this is coming from or, or why they feel the need to mandate it. Um, didn't find any info about that when I was reading over on it, but it's uh, definitely kind of an interesting concept. Definitely because um at least in this country, we're talking about probably 80% of the pets are overweight, you know, because of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't realize that uh, if you think a dog looks I thin. I think it actually is 60%. 60%? Yeah, 60% yeah. overweight, which That's is a awesome. lot. And the rest of them are probably bored with <laughs> right. A lot of the rest of them anyway. Maybe it's 80% for the dogs that come in here, but I, <laughs> not really. We're doing a much better job. We talk about nutrition a lot with our, with our clients and mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, the, the sedentary lifestyle, we're doing less activities. So that it stands a reason that the pets are going to have less active lifestyles as well. Um, it can be a, definitely a health problem because too much visceral fat can cause disease. And so what brings on these mandates sometimes if they're seeing a higher number of pets that are overweight or obese, uh, a lot of times the nutritional council will get involved and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to set some guidelines. And um, it's, it's interesting that what they said was that the average dog should exercise an hour a day. Okay? okay. So an hour seems like a lot, but it really isn't if you break up those, because they said an hour a day. So you can break up those portions into 15 minute increments 
but you do want to exercise your pet to a point where they're getting their heart rate up. If they're just walking around, uh, sniffing the grass and not doing too much, they're not getting their heart rate up. So uh, 15 minute increments, um, especially if your pet hasn't been exercising all that much and you're trying to get them going again, uh, we do want to be careful. So if they go from zero to 60 all at once, you're going to have problems with especially their knees. That's uh, kind ACL of a big mistake them. too. Yeah. That's a, that's the one big mistake when people decide to start exercising their animal. Yeah. Like it might be okay for you because you can kind of judge that. But if you're kind of pushing your dog along, then that's where you get into those expensive to treat injuries. Definitely. Especially pets over seven years old. I mean, if they're two years old, you can usually get by with going a little faster with them. Uh, but you do want to take it easy and, uh, the start off with walks and then go to, a, you know, a little bit of a trot, especially the, the smaller dogs will be trotting with you as you're walking of uh, your big pets. You may have to, to walk really fast with them or light jog with them to, to get their heart rates up. Uh, but don't start off at the dog park first. You got to start with leashing and then move up maybe 30 days later up to the dog park. Um, when you got a little bit of fitness going. Right. Yeah. You do have to warm them up. I like this dog exercise calculator. I did. We've been having a little bit of <laughs> problems with our golden retriever. He's just kind of like bratty and out of control yeah. and chewing things up. And he's just really, I don't know. He needs to go to dog training, I'm sure. And he's just rude actually in the end <laughs> wants to sleep on my side of the bed and he's sleeping on your bed. And I don't know, he's just, he's just a brat and um, it's completely my fault. I mean, he does have a farm to run around on. So he does run a lot. Mm -hmm. He does play a lot, but then when you want him to get up and go do anything, he's also the world's laziest dog. He just won't get off the couch. He's like, ah, I'm not going to work with you today or whatever. So he is, <laughs> he devils me all day long. And, um, tears things up. So he's been doing that too. So I actually went into the dog exercise calculator that they have on rover.com. And I was very surprised to learn that he actually needs 75 to 140 minutes of exercise every day. And I'm not really doing that much of him. I mean, I, I take him into our indoor dog park. He loves to do that. He plays in there every time. Now when he used to be too lazy to get up and go to work with us, now he'll get up and run to the car and he will not stay home. So mm -hmm. he loves the indoor dog park. It's just a big space. They want to play with their balls and their toys. So I don't know. I think uh, for him, 75 to 140 minutes means a lifestyle change for our entire family. It's different. And I'm, I, it kind of goes back. I remember my old farm, you know, growing up on the farm and stuff like that. And, and my dad always said, you know, I'm going to go in and lift weights. He said, well, we got plenty of lift, weights to lift out here to start throwing those bales, mm -hmm. you know. And being out and, and having some activity or work activity, so Benjo goes out and runs around the farm and stuff like that, it's not really controlled exercise. Mm -hmm. You know, it's exercise, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I did stay in shape doing that. Uh, but we do want to measure it. It's not measurable exercise. So we have to say, okay, well, how much time did you actually spend working, you know, being outside? Well, we'd have to time that and say, well, that's an hour a day. Okay, that's work. But then we have to look at, okay, what was uh, along with exercise, good mental health? So mm -hmm. we got to toss the ball and actually be with the owner. If you just put the dogs outside and expect them to exercise themselves, they won't. They'll, they'll play a little bit and then they'll go lay down. 
But if we can control the heart rate and get the heart rate up, we're going to burn calories better between the meals. So if you're feeding them twice a day, you're going to burn those calories between the meals and they'll actually be able uh, to, when they eat, to actually use that energy. Mm-hmm. So it's exercise, eat, rest, right? Mm-hmm. So it's good to time that exercise before the meals too, because then they're going to, they're ready to use the energy. If we think about it the opposite way, I'm going to feed them and then go exercise them. Well, your, your body's not ready for that. You're, you've started the parasympathetic fibers and now you're all sluggish and want to go outside. <laughs> well, no, that's, we've all eaten. And then it's really hard to get up and go outside. You want yeah. to take a nap. So exercise, uh, eat, and then rest. And okay. then time to, you know, using rover, you need a guideline because if, if you say, well, a, a handful of, of salt or something like that, or a handful of this, a handful of that, and the recipe, uh, you don't really know, mm-hmm. know how much yeah. is that. You want to have a good line, guideline like rover. And honestly, he spends a lot of his time sleeping under the porch. He's figured out yeah. he's dug himself a hole under the porch. <laughs> yeah. Lies around under there. He's getting chubby. So he's got to, we got to do a little extra work. Yeah. So he, we think he's <laughs> we outside. Actually, chubby animals right no. now. We have two very chubby mini horses and they rule the roost and uh, Benjo. So we got to figure out how to tie all of those three together and get him going. <laughs> the good news is our thing. So he's digging it. He he's is laying on the earth and he's getting rid of that bad energy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay. All right. I got that. <laughs> All right. Karina has a question in regards to a cat. How do you get a cat on a good food if they're finicky? Mine would rather starve <laughs> than try the new food. Can you tell me how to mix it up as well? It can be really challenging because um, a lot of cats, uh, as kittens, started on uh, a grain-based diet mm-hmm. and they become carboholics. It's really hard if, if those cats have started on a, on a grain-based diet uh, early on in their life, it's, it's really hard to get them to move over. You have to go at it really, really slow. You got to find something that they really enjoy in small little pea-sized portions. Okay. So you don't want to, you know, you, you want to gradually introduce it into the kibble. Uh, Actually, this would be really good. Right. Those are rabbit recipe from Northwest Naturals. I showed it to you a little bit earlier. It's just a little bigger than pea-sized, mm-hmm. but uh, we do use this as snacks for our cats who, uh, well, we have a lot of cats here. Some people didn't want their cats anymore. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. there are a lot of cats hanging around. <laughs> yeah. and, no. and those are neat little, because they're kind of puppy, is that our little cat, Kitty Chucky, loves to chase after them. Mm-hmm. They're fun. So they play with them fun and then shape, they eventually catch it and shake it and then they'll hopefully will eat but it. But there have been studies done on switching from a grain-based diet to a regular meat-based diet mm-hmm. and it they did say that cats become very sick by that they mm-hmm. are nauseated from switching that diet for some reason they just get it's in their gut bacteria or something mm-hmm. okay. definitely microbiome the the microbiome is what, the thing that gets addicted to the carbs so they like the alcohol coming through there mm-hmm. and um they say i, I don't want to change i like it this way so you gradually have to convince the gut bacteria to switch over. So go at it slow. Eventually, uh, they'll come around to eating a little bit more of it. But a finicky cat will never go 100% over uh, very often. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, we have another question. So that question was live on our Facebook feed. And then from our Holistic Vet Advice Facebook group, 
Um, Amanda has a question. So this is another kind of long case review. She said she has um, is desperate for some help uh, and her advice for her tuxedo cat, Samson. They're so cute. We have one too. Mm-hmm. He's eight years old now. I've had him since he was a kitten. He suffered from recurring UTI and bladder infections since he was taken in for a myriad of vaccines and neutering during his wellness visit years ago. Mm-hmm. Never had issues prior to that. So I don't know if that makes a difference in the diagnosis. I do not vaccinate anymore because of that, but rather keep up on his hygiene and healthy food. He's been on antibiotics that were prescribed by his vet over five separate times along with painkillers just for the infections to come back with a vengeance within two weeks. The urination all over the house is affecting the kids and I, so he's got to be quarantined in another room for right now. I've tried to look into homeopathic remedies for him, but I haven't found anything that works long enough. I'll also attach the picture of his regimen, which I'm not sure I have that one. I've started him on uh, Ferropet Organics. It's still not cured the issue. Every vet clinic is booked right now and not taking new patients. I know he has a bladder infection because he is going and he's hiding away mm-hmm. and he started again. So she feeds him a couple of different cat foods, one from a big box store. And um, she's just having a lot of issues that's gone on for a very, very long time. So how can we give her some advice on her case? Very, very common problem, uh, especially with male really? cats. Yeah. Uh, it's called idiopathic cystitis or feline lower urinary tract disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the neutering. Um, cats that are neutered before a year of age uh, have the risk of causing a tapering effect. You know, the urethra does taper in general. So that's what allows a male cat to spray. Uh, female cats can spray, but not as easily as a male cat. It's tapered for a reason for marking. Oh, okay. So the neutering process will shrink that and sometimes cause what what they call atrophy or mm-hmm. a little bit of scarring uh, to cause that opening to close up just a little bit. So the force of the bladder mm-hmm. is is too much, so it expands to stretch that bladder out. Now, if that bladder gets stretchy, uh, it's not going to be as responsive, number one, to go to the bathroom at the time time to go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're not going to get bladder emptying like you did before. Mm-hmm. So that bladder is often, and, and this is a guesstimate, probably 20 to 30% bigger mm-hmm. and stretched out. Um, it's very difficult to get that to come back to normal. But getting a pH-based litter, I know the kitty's not using the litter pan as much. But first of all, it's, we want to start thinking about getting this kitty into more of a confined space. And I know it's difficult because you want your kitty to do that because of the kids and everything. So a a very large dog kennel, make a little cat condo, double them up, give them a lifestyle change, but make sure that we have a urine pH marking litter in there because we want to know what's that urine pH consistency. If it's six to six and a half, no problem. But my guess is probably going to be somewhere between seven to eight. Mm. And that alkaline urine is very irritating. So it's going to trigger that urinary response over and over and over again. How do you get alkaline urine? Um, first of all, for, for these kitties, um, usually just holding on to urine too long. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take urine and, and you put it in a little cup and you set it there and it's six to six and a half, mm-hmm. and you set it on the counter for a while, the pH is going to change because that urine becomes more stagnant. You're going to get crystallization oh. of that urine. Okay. 
And so it tells me every time that we have uh, just holding on to that urine way too long. So we're not emptying. We're going, obviously, but we're not emptying. Would she need um, a specific food for that then to avoid crystals? She needs to have a test to see if there are crystals and which ones they are? Definitely. A, a good urinalysis is important uh, to determine what is the baseline pH. And then a good pH monitoring uh, litter is going to be important to see what it is consistently. We do sell that in our pet store. One of them that I can tell you about is called Life Meat Litter. Mm-hmm. And so that'll kind of show you, um, it changes color. It'll show you if there's a pH problem. Yeah, we use it at home and, and it's, it works very nice. So far, it hasn't showed any color change, so our kitties are doing okay. But um, our Tuxedo cat does the same thing as your cat, so just so you know. Yeah, and and he's starting to, um, you know, with age, because he's pushing, he's going on to 18 years of age. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to have more renal problems and things like that. But at the same time, uh, looking at that pH now, if it's higher than normal, is that you can go to a pH monitoring diet. It's not a very holistic diet, okay? Mm-hmm. But the active ingredients in there help to control the pH until we can figure out the root cause. Root cause for cats who urinate outside the litter pan, 80% behavioral, 20% urinary. So there's something in the environment that's stressing your kitty out. Now, we don't always know what that is. SRT analysis can be very beneficial to try to run codes to see, is it an emotional problem? Is it urinary specific? Or is it some other uh, GI tract problem or something like that? It helps to get to the root cause uh, because that's the most important thing with getting cats to start using the litter pan again, because it's almost impossible with traditional medicine to get them back to using that pan. Mm-hmm. So we have to use a combination approach of integrated medicine to get this kitty back on track. Yeah, this is such a tough one. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very hard. The smell, the you know, you're walking along and then you realize, oh my gosh, someone's gone all over the carpet or the wall or the couch or I went to sit down or whatever. And um, I don't know, it's just so hard to live with. Does that mean like something happened that was wrong in the neuter, or is it just sometimes that happens in a neuter? Sometimes that happens in the neuter. Um, doesn't mean anything was wrong. It just means that no. like nothing was wrong with the surgery. It's just sometimes a side effect. In rarer cases, um, because the drugs do cause uh, the penile area to extend past the sheath, is mm-hmm. some of the, the alcohols and, and, and products we're using to sterilize the area sometimes can irritate and cause a stricture. Really? It's very rare, though. Oh. So, um, you know, and it would have probably seen problems right away. Uh, at the same time, um, the neutering process when we're changing those hormones, depending on when we do it, and some of these kitties are coming in at eight weeks and already been neutered. Yes. You know, so mm-hmm. that very early neutering is also a potential problem. Because I was going to ask you that, you actually. It can damage the anatomy uh, and oh. cause some issues. But I think far and away, it's more a hormonal thing than uh, a physical thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. so yeah, I always wonder if that. It seems like so little to be neutering, you know, baby cats and stuff. I mean, I know I see the reason that they want to do it like that. So mm-hmm. when they're adopted out, it's all handled. Everything's right. done. Nobody's going to produce any more litters of unwanted kittens or shove their cat outside or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. The ideal time um, is to wait till they're 
fully mature at a year of age. Mm-hmm. Now, we used to say that, well, if we get them done at six to seven months, six to eight months, that they're not going to start spraying as a male cat. Mm-hmm. But usually they're not. I mean, if they're in a well-balanced lifestyle, good, healthy nutrition, you can go up to a year. Then they, if they're, their uh, growth plates are closed. They're adult enough to handle that procedure. And, um, you know, you're probably going to see less problems than these early spay-neuter uh, situation. Okay. All right. So, also, one other thing. Uh, Diet-wise, you know, you, you've got to really talk to your vet about the crystals issue and yeah. look into those diets. Definitely make sure moisture there are is some, number one. Um, Chinese herbs that actually work mm-hmm. for this as well. So that's kind of a, I don't know, those, those work pretty well. So you could incorporate that into a non um, veterinary grade specific diet that's available only by prescription. So the herbs also, I don't know, you've had a lot of success with those. Definitely. Acupuncture can help a lot. Herbs can help a lot to, to modify the situation, to get these kitties back on track faster. Uh, the the big thing too is to remember uh, if they're just on a dry base cat food, they're not going to drink enough water. So we want to make sure that we're at least 25 to 50% of the diet should have moisture uh, because that's going to get them to use that litter pan more often. Uh, and they're less apt to have that more concentrated urine, more concentrated urine. The more they mark, the more it smells, the more they go back to it, the more they mark. So uh, adding moisture to the diet is going to be important. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, so uh, as far as um, some of the months here, it is walk your pet month. <laughs> so, <laughs> going back to that for just one single solitary minute, Amanda, I hope we helped you. Also, um, if you guys have questions before I start talking about that other thing again, sorry. Um, if you have questions, it's our holistic vet advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson group. There's also a page for the show um, where we're live on right now. Um, the Holistic Bed Advice uh, group is a good group of people that are just kind of coming together and sharing all their experiences in holistic medicine. So, okay. So, uh, if you have questions, get back to us about that. And Amanda, I hope that, you know, we're able to help you today because that is a struggle that, I mean, yeah. we've been there too with that situation and kids and it's just, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to handle at one time. And uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of those cats are relinquished mm-hmm. because it is a, and not really a public adoptable. health problem. You know? So they, they're not gotta, adoptable. They're not adoptable. They have to forgive the owners for, for relinquishing them. But, right. uh, but if you're willing to step forward and you're willing to give it a go uh, and willing to be patient with it, um, you know, most right. cats can come around. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, kind of sticking with it. So, yeah. Um, doing your best. I mean, you try the best you can to, to handle a situation. It's just not always, maybe always going to work, but right. anyway, um, so it's national, uh, walk your pets, uh, month. So again, we encourage you to get on rover.com, check out their calculator for pet exercise. It was definitely an eye opener for us. Yeah. And then also, uh, the other website we mentioned was pet nutrition Alliance. They have a calculator for your pet's food, how much you should be feeding it. You can put any pet food on the market in there. It goes out and finds it. So it'll tell you that and give you a nice treat budget as well. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today, you guys. And uh, we're really glad you were here with us. We'll see you next time. And don't forget, uh, join our Facebook group as well. Have a great day. 
Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend. 